Welcome to C3 Church Tagra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. to the podcast listeners. The resurrection changed everything. Say the resurrection changed everything. And I haven't had any Easter eggs. I have not had one of those things that Luke has. I have not had an Easter egg yet. Not yet. I'm going to have one after I preach. So I'm not excited because of I'm on caffeine, Easter egg, or chocolate caffeine. I'm not excited because I drank a Red Bull or whatever you call them. I'm I'm just purely excited for what this weekend means. He has risen. He has risen. John 15, 13. So get your notepads out. I'm just going to, we're just going to get stuck into the word of God. And who knows, God's going to move in this place. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 13. What a powerful Good Friday service we had with Julie, Pastor Julie sharing her testimony, amen? And um, wow, talk about God intervening. That's uh, called intervention, and I'm sure that's happened to your life, happens more dramatically in some others, but you know, it's great when it happens. So uh, that was t- this morning, Ra sharing his testimony, and um, wow, that, you know, a lot of people were blessed, full house this morning. Uh, lots of excitement, lots of energy, lots of Easter eggs, lots of uh, kids and family, and uh, we just thank you for this morning. That was fantastic. Love this morning. What Jesus did cannot be undone. These are some of the statements I've been getting off the internet. What Jesus did cannot be undone. I love that one. Death has been swallowed up in victory. I've been living with that one. They've been quoting that forever. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This is a story about Lazarus when Martha, I think, was upset. Jesus, why didn't you come? If he, you'd come, he wouldn't have died. I got that much faith in you. If you were here, he would not have died. He's only sleeping. Take it easy. It's going to be all right. I am the resurrection. I am the life. So if you need something resurrected in your life, if you've got a dream, if you've got something of your destiny that's laying dormant, down in your soul, and you just think, well, I've missed my chance, and I'm not gonna, it's not going to happen. Well, tonight, I believe resurrection power upon your life to resurrect your best life. Some people go for their, you know, the, the cheaper version of their life, and they do end up in strange places when they do that. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you know, I, I know kids that should have been going to Bible college, and, oh, no, not really. I'll just pursue this, maybe. Maybe you need to go to Bible college, amen? Maybe you need to, 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 to get stuck into the Word of God like He's been challenging you to, amen? And, and raise your sights, raise your sights, lift your sights and see on the horizon of a great life that He's got for you, amen? Don't settle for cheap options. Well, God will have to send you a burning bush and apprehend you some way, some miracle, John eleven twenty five 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
John 19, 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head. This is Jesus on the cross, Good Friday. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you obediently went to the cross for our, our life to be connected with God. What a privilege. What did Jesus mean when he said, it is finished? What did Jesus mean? One of the last sayings on the cross, none more important, they believe, than when he said, it is finished, found in the Gospel of John. In the Greek, it's translated, it's an accounting term that means paid in full. The debt is paid in full. When Jesus uttered these words, he was declaring the debt owed to the Father was wiped clean completely forever. Is that good news? Not the debt that Jesus owed, the debt that humanity owed. So you can't dodge this one. You can't dodge this bullet. You had sin. You are born into it. Me, you, unfortunately, yes. And, and then you had to own up to it at one stage and say, I am sinful. Who can pay for this? No good works can pay for it. No other religion can pay for it. The only one who can pay for it, the only act in history is this weekend that we're celebrating, amen? It's Christ going to the cross. He died for you. Now, he died for all of the world. For God so loved the world. No, he died for you. You need to receive it. You need to believe that personally. Just prior to the rest by the Romans, Jesus prayed his last public prayer, asking the Father to glorify him, just as Jesus had glorified the Father on earth. Having finished the work you have given me to do, he says in John 17, 4. Having finished the work, wouldn't that be a beautiful thing, Garth, to be able to say? And Luke, wouldn't that be a great thing to say, guys? Man, I think I've given it a good shot, the work that he had for me to do. At the end of your day, be able to say, I think I give it a good nudge. I didn't get it all done, but at least I was, I was barking up the right tree, amen? At least I was giving it a go. At least I was turning up and surrendering my life, serving at the door, whatever it may be. But you're there, you're engaged with God, what he wants to do for your life. Isn't it great to be able to say, wow, it is finished. Jesus said that. The work Jesus was sent to do was to of course we know, seek and save that which is lost, Luke 19, 10. Just reminding you of some of these strong, strong statements here. To provide atonement for the sins of all who would ever believe in him, Romans 3, 23, 20 to 25. To reconcile sinful man to a holy God, amen? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then, well, here's the clangor, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, meaning that now we're caught up in this greatest story ever told to help reconcile humanity. I don't want to help anyone else get there. I just got through the skin of my teeth as it is. I'm not an extrovert. I can't help. I can't do anything. I'm not like you crazy people that pray and fast and read your Bibles and give your money to God. I'm not like that. I don't want to do that. I just want to just sneak in, sneak into heaven. And I'll just hang around you people and feel pleasantly blessed. But no, you're involved in reconciliation. Who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling to, to the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Look it up, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19. But Christ ultimately performed the task we couldn't perform 
and that was going to the cross. Can we say amen to that? Also, it completed what? The fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, the symbols. Have a look at the Old Testament. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Foreshadowing of the coming Messiah. This constant scriptures through the word. From Genesis to Malachi, there are over 300 specific prophecies detailing the coming of the anointed one, of Christ Jesus. All fulfilled, by the way, in his coming, all fulfilled by Jesus. From the seed who would crush the serpent's head, Genesis 3.15, we quoted that in the previous sermon, to the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. Just look in Isaiah 53, and you can see the whole story. Isaiah saw it 700 years previous to Christ going to the cross. Isaiah saw Christ going to the cross. Amazing stuff. He predicted the messenger of the Lord would come. John the Baptist did too, and he said he was going to prepare the way. All prophecies of Jesus' life, ministry, and death were fulfilled and finished at the cross. Is that good news? You you, you can believe wholly and solely in the Word of God, totally being fulfilled even as we speak, plus all the redemption of mankind. Of course, it's important, and that task is important, but many other things were fulfilled and finished on the cross, namely the suffering Jesus endured while on the earth especially in his last hour, as we said last week. God's will, another thing that was finished, God's will for Jesus was accomplished in his, in his perfect obedience to the Father, completed. Thank you, Jesus. Most importantly, the power of sin and Satan was finished. Is that good news? Can I get an amen out of that one? No longer would mankind have to suffer the flaming arrows of the evil one. Has anyone had any flaming arrows of the evil one? In their life, have you ever seen anyone around your life that you just go, oh my God, this can't be natural. This can't be just testings and trials. This is a full onslaught from the enemy. Ephesians 6.16, by raising the shield of faith in the one, in Jesus, who completed the work of redemption and salvation, we can, by faith, live as new creations in Christ. Isn't that good news? So Jesus finished the work on the cross was the beginning of a new life for all who were once dead in trespasses and sins, but who are now made alive with Christ, Ephesians 2.15. This is another radical, um, this is a radical belief that you've you, you got to believe in, that Jesus rose from the dead, that he is alive, sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for you, meaning he's there right now. Meaning he's looking at you right now. He knows your every thought. He knows every blade of every blade, every hair, every blade. <laughs> some some of those two pages do look like blades. <laughs> um, he knows every hair on your head. He knows all your thoughts. He loves you entirely, dearly. He just he just wants to bless you so much. But he's there. He's constantly there. Omniscient, omnipotent God. He's there. He loves you. He's just so wanting to prove his love to you in so many wonderful ways. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts. See, the resurrection changed everything. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Stop. That's what we're doing tonight, by the way. I believe the modern day church is going to be smartened up, not dumbed down to why they believe in Christ. 
why they believe in our God. You need to be able to defend why you believe that Christ rose from the grave. Amen, that's, that's big. Because if, if, you, if, you, if you doubt that, and if you have someone dispelling that fact, you need to be able to defend. And there's plenty of evidence that Christ did and was raised from the dead. The tomb is empty. We say that, we just don't say it figuratively. We say it because it's true. You, the tomb was never made a shrine of because they never found the bones. Typically, a great man of God like that, they would make a shrine out of it, knowing that he died there, was buried there, but they never found the bones. And the Jewish custom was that if we don't find the bones, that, that means nothing. That tomb means nothing. They literally, people just said, oh, yeah, that's where he was placed, sort of, but that's all it is. That, that's why there's no real you know, they haven't really got 100% confident where it is, uh, but, but it was never made a shrine of. Do you know what I'm saying? His bones were never found, not like every other guru that's lived on the planet. But in your heart to revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Young people, everyone, you need to be given a reasonable answer to people who ask you why you believe in this stuff. But do this with gentleness and respect. Acts 1.3, after this suffering, he prepared himself. He, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke, over the, spoke about the kingdom of God. John 20, verse 19, 20, this is one of the first occasions that he turned up after he was placed in the tomb. He turned up to the 12 disciples the scripture goes like this, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you, whoa, he's just turned up, he's just walked through the walls and he's just turned up. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and he sighed, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I wonder if we could just play that, that, that short yeah, that short video that we played this morning, I think, I know it's a bit old, but still, it gets the point across. We didn't recognize him. Not on the road. But when he broke bread, then we knew. At Emmaus, how strange he should go there. Peace be with you. Why are you troubled? Why are these doubts coming up in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet and see that it is I myself. Feel me and you will know. For a spirit has not flesh and bones, as you see I have. These are the very things I spoke to you about while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets and the Psalms had to come true. This is what is written. The Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And in his name, 
The message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins must be preached to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And I myself bring the promise of my Father upon you. But you must wait in the city until the power from above comes down upon you. Yeah, you probably like your 21st century version better than but that one, but still, the point is made, and um, I love what he says about, and we'll talk about that in a moment, about the promise of the Father. So, how did 12 peasant fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, how in the world did they multiply 12 followers of Jesus to one out of every, how did they multiply to equate to the, the equation we got now, which is one out of three people on the earth are saved. I'll say again, one out of three people on the earth are saved. How did it happen? It happened because of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus, him coming back to life, changed everything. So you know it split the calendar, AD, BC. And obviously, there's probably absolutely confident to say there's no, been no other event on this planet that has been so powerful, so amazing that has caused us to believe that God is. Um, it's an amazing thing. Amazing too that I was reading that, of course we know, I think, uh, that Jesus never wrote a book, but there's more books wrote about him than any other subject on the planet. Jesus never composed a song, but there's more songs about him than any, any other subject. Jesus never drew anything, sculpted anything, painted anything, but there's more creative, artistic work about him than any, any other subject. Jesus never went beyond a hundred miles of where he was born, but you can find Jesus all over the planet. Amen? So the reason Christianity spread is because, why? It's good news. It's not bad news, it's good news. In fact, it's amazing news. Amazing news that we can be forgiven, set free from this dilemma of being born into sin and being able to lift our head up out of shame and condemnation and say, oh my God, I can feel the love of God. I can feel that I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. I can feel like I can lift my head up. And that is an absolutely must that we need in this day and age. Christianity, the message of Jesus, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, the good news, we've got to understand that. We've got to understand what this weekend means. So the resurrection produces six incredible benefits in our life. Six, and I'll go through them quickly. First one is we can be free and forgiven by Jesus' death. Uh, Isaiah 56, verse 6 to 10, paraphrased, I'll paraphrase it for time. We are like sheep that have gone astray, basically. People will go astray. It's just typical of human nature. We're like sheep have gone astray, each have turned our own way, meaning we've turned our back on God. It's just human nature to do that. We've all got our story when we've done that. And the Lord has laid on him, of course, because of sin, that iniquity has been laid on Jesus. That's why he went to the cross. We've turned our back on God. Uh, Isaiah 53 verse 7 says, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. John 1.29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John said that, John the Baptist. 
I think it's Isaiah 53, 10, and through the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. Romans 5, 17, sorry guys, I didn't give you that one properly, but Romans 5, 17 says, and there's some real key statements here, for if by the trespass of one man, that'd be Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, say abundant provision of grace, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life, say reign in life. Reign in life is a huge statement. We could preach about that for days. Reigning in life, being able to reign, take stock of your circumstance, deal with your sickness, deal with any problems that come your way, deal with the fiery darts that come your way. Reign in life is being able to have dominion authority in your life, but then in a greater sphere of influence, maybe in your home, in, in your life, in your home, but then you come to church, now you're you're reigning in church, you're belonging to a church that's reigning in, in a given community, amen? We're, we're, not, we're not under the sway of the evil one, we're actually ruling and reigning, and we're declaring and decreeing and proclaiming good things, that's what we talk about, ruling and reigning. It's so important this, when Christ died for us on the cross, he enabled us and empowered us to reign, to reign. The gift of righteousness, to reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation. You wouldn't believe how many people suffer from condemnation and shame. They're, they just can't even get themselves to church. They think it's just a, an hypocrisy to, to do that. They just feel like, I just can't do it. I can't present myself to God. They've got so much shame on them. Help them with that. Just say, look, God loves you. God loves you. He doesn't care about who you are, what you've done. Try and get them to that place where they can, they can know at least that God will accept them as they are. Say as they are. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act, the cross, resulted in justification and life for all people. Romans 5.19, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, that's us, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many were made righteous. That's us, the church. 520, Romans 520, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, meaning it showed us up, the law actually showed us up that we were, that we were sinners. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 425, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Is that good news? So two, the second thing that's happened through his resurrection, Jesus defeated death, so we don't have to fear that, that ugly thing, death. If, you, know, you don't have to walk out your life circumspect about, worried about dying or what would, it, you know, you're not fearful and walking Intrepid, is that the word? Just fearful and scared to maybe go to Nairobi and start a church. And No, they're not. They're not afraid of death. They're not, you know, we're hearing stuff in Nairobi that's happening. But they know the sting of death is defeated. We're not tiptoeing. We know, okay, if something happens, I'm bound for glory. Is that right? I mean, that's a bit harsh, but Hebrews 2.14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their 
humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? So if we're going to live counterculturally, I said counterculturally, you've got to understand that in Christ you can be strong with faith, with hope, and great love, and not be worried about being hurt at every turn, and not even ultimately worried about dying. Three, we get to have God's Spirit inside us. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. This is the third thing that happens. We're getting through this quite, quite quickly. This is something that is so important to me, and it's the reason I'm standing here right now preaching to you. The third thing that happened when he said in that video clip, so that the Father's promise may be released. What's the Father's promise? That's the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says it like this. This is Jesus, the last, just about the last statement he makes before he ascends into heaven. And he says this. He says this to you and I, to the church. But you receive power, say power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, say witnesses, in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, unto the ends of the earth, even to Wyong, Tugra, Central Coast. Amen? So you receive power to stand up and cop it sweet for being a Christian. Meaning if you get persecuted, mocked, you can handle that. Because you've been given power to be a witness. I'm just amazed at young people I'm seeing stand up, straight up. Now, this wasn't the occasion when I was going to, when I first started to go to church in the 80s, we were almost like closet Christians. We just kept it to ourselves almost. But I'm seeing young people get saved and become a strong witness right from the get-go, meaning that they're on Facebook giving glory to God. I went to church last night. It was awesome. Easter is fantastic. Happy Easter to all my friends. Whoa. That, that's a bold witness, isn't it? Sharing C3 Tugra's Facebook, Easter, his story, your story, his story, your story. That's pretty bold when you've got 500 friends and maybe 400 of them are unsaved. But God gives you power, not just to speak in tongues and prophesy and to have radical faith, but to be a witness to be a witness, to be bold, to be a preacher when you just don't think, no way I can be a preacher, to be a cell group leader when you think, no way I could be a cell group leader, no way could I go to Bible college, no way could I stand up in my workplace and say that I go to church. That takes being filled with the Spirit. So I say to you, if you're struggling to be a witness, to boldly proclaim that you are a born-again Christian, Be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Be baptized. Lord, fill me right now. Bless me. Baptize me. Let me go public. Let me tell my mom and dad. Let me tell my brothers and sisters. I'm I'm born again, spirit-filled. Get used to it. This is my life. I'm a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. The old version is gone. But everyone's presenting their old version of themselves. Now, this is the guy you like. This is the one. Yeah, he'll hang loose and... You know, just hang and 
talk rubbish and whatever. No, this is the new guy. This is the new girl. This is, this is the one I am now. And that takes, I think, the Holy Spirit. Is that right? To, to testify, to witness to friends. As I love to do everywhere I go, every cafe. What coffee's that? Glee coffee. Oh, Glee coffee, is it? I know those guys. What do you mean? So I know Ben and Chris. They're Christians, you know. Is that right? Yeah, they're Christians. They go to church, you know. You ever been to church? (laughs) Guys pouring the coffee, the girls looking at me. I said, yeah, church, man, it's all happening. You ever heard a Hillsong? They're down there right now, by the way, 12,000 of them in the entertainment center. Right now. I said, you ever heard, yeah, I've heard a Hillsong. You heard a Hillsong? Yeah, I heard a Hillsong. Yeah, yeah. Boom, two minutes later, they've got the gospel. They're like this, they're the, 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 just hands going down like this. They go, wow. Wow, the gospel. That's, that's good news. Good news. Don't give them bad news, for goodness sake. Don't talk about ISIS and, you know, forget that, the darkness. You know. Talk about the good news. God, man, he, he, man, we're seeing people transform just like that. And people come out of their boxes and they're just cooped up in their bedrooms, paranoid, depressed, didn't have a life. Couldn't keep friends, couldn't make friends, got saved. Wow, man, they're in the worship team now. They're writing songs for Jesus. Wow, they've got better jobs. And man, they're, 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 they're going overseas now, doing mission works in Nairobi C3. Wow, this, what happened to them? Oh, they, got, they got, went to a church and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They, they got saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Wow. Learn to witness in a matter of two minutes, get your, get your dialogue together to be able to witness in two minutes, not, not two minutes, a minute and a half. Two minutes is too long. A minute and a half, because these people are busy. After a minute and a half, trust me, I know. After a minute and a half, you'll start losing them. They're going, whoa, they get nervous. The boss might see me, whatever. But you can, man, dropped into the Henny Penny or whatever, the chicken place down here. <laughs> Henny Penny. The Henny Penny's still going? Is it? In Newcastle. What's the good of a henny penny on Central Coast? So where did I go, guys? Tell me. Red Rooster. I invited that girl here. Is she here tonight? Anyway, I got to witness to her. It took me a minute and a half. She said, yeah, I've been there once before. I think said knew Jake Davies. And, yeah, everyone knows Jake Davies. Yeah, I know Jake. I think he, he took me to church once. I said, yeah, well, come back. Come back. Yeah, I think I will. The Holy Ghost is for witnessing. Ephesians 1.19, and His incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. For God loves us unconditionally. And this scripture, you just got to know it, got to understand it. John 3.16, for God so loved your friend. God so loved your neighbor. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Remember that quote. Get it deep down inside you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn them, but to save the world. So we're on a mission to save people, not condemn people. And then he commands us, John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And how can you do that? Let's be honest. 
Everyone goes through a series of friends. And, but you know what? That happens a lot less when you're a Christian because you can cover people and all their stuff with love. Love covers a multitude of sin, amen? And short fallings and wrong looks and grievances. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. I think there's a song about love. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Ah, if you got love, if you love one another. Five, moving on. God has a greater purpose for your life. Mark 8, 35, for whoever wants to save his life, keep it and preserve it. And you just want to look inward, inward, and you just want to manufacture your own life. And and it's, it's your story and not God's story. I don't care what God's doing. I don't care about this greatest story ever told. I got a story. Check me out. Look at my selfies. Look at me. Look what I'm doing now. Woo, yeah, wow. This is my story. It's far better than God's story. Yeah, right. Get with God's story. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. When you give your life into God's story, you will find you have a most excellent part to play out in this wonderful narrative called salvation. Acts 15, 26 says, Men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are obviously Radical born-again people. 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen, but what is unseen is eternal. That's, you got to get your, you got to get your perspective. Instead of looking at things all the time. When Peter tried to pull up Jesus and said, don't go to the cross, Jesus. Don't do that. We've got this wonderful ministry happening. It's, it's going to be really great. We're your disciples and we're going to, man, it's going to be awesome. We'll just continue what we're doing, the miracles and the feeding the, 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 the poor and all this great stuff. Why are you talking about going to the cross? And Jesus said, Satan, I rebuke you. Whoa. You haven't got, well, imagine being rebuked by Jesus like that. You haven't got God's intentions, God's concerns in hand. You got man's concerns at hand. One of the great tipping points in your life is when you decide to have God's concerns more in the balance than your concerns. Amen? Then when you say, and the only way I know how to do that is believe and trust in God that he's got a better plan. Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> That's a radical statement, but it's true. Six, and the last one, we can be certain of a future in heaven. And it says it like this in 1 Peter 1.4 says, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. However, as it is written, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. John 14, verse 6 says, 
Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, he's the most radical preacher on the planet, I believe, on the planet at the moment. He's down at uh, the Presence Conference in a week or so's time. He's, he just he just puts words together really, really well. And he says this, he says, He came down so we can get up. He defeated darkness so we can be light. He died so we can live. He said it is finished so we can get started. He came out of the womb, the tomb, so we can, he did come out of the womb, but he came out of the tomb when he died, so we can come out of sin. I'll say it again. He came out of the tomb so so we can come out of sin, failure, and captivity and change the world. He came out of the tomb so we can come out of sin, failure, and captivity and change the world. That's what Jesus did through his resurrection. Is that good news, church? Is that good news? I do love the story about Elijah and his ministry is growing and he's got these diehard believers with him, disciples. And they say, Elijah, your ministry is growing. We need to build a place bigger to harness and to live and to do this ministry. Let's go down near the river. We'll start chopping some poles down, some wood down, and we'll build a bigger structure. Guys, he's, you know, he's hacking away with an axe. He loses the axe head, steel axe head, falls into the drink, falls into the river, and he says, I've lost my axe head, and it was borrowed. Elijah comes over and says, what happened, son? He said, Master, I was, I was doing work. I was following you and doing what you asked me to do. I was cutting away. The axe head fell off, fell into the drink. It's gone. It's in the mud on the bottom of the river. Elijah sees a moment, gets a bit of twig, a bit of timber, a bit of wood, gets this bit of timber and throws it into the water. Everyone's looking. Elijah is a man of miracles. Remember I said a bit of timber. Jesus hung on timber. Jesus hung on a cross. He picks up this bit of timber, Elijah. He gets it. He throws it into the water. Everyone's looking at the water, of course, because this is a miracle man. All of a sudden, some seconds later, the axe head, the steel axe head floats to the surface. Resurrection. I think, some commentators believe, that it's a sign from God that Elijah uses as a sign that he cares even for the mundane things. Just an axe head, not really important to the big scheme of things, but God's providence and God's care towards us cares about every single element of our life. He cares about you. He cares about the little things. And he wants to resurrect all that is in your life. All your dreams, all your desires. He's too busy for that. He's dealing with all this crazy stuff, terrorism and that. No, he cares about your mental health. He cares about you. He cares about your careers, young people. He cares about where you work. He cares about what you eat, what you drink. He cares about your health. 
God cares about seemingly the mundane things. God's providential, providential care, His protection, His provision, and His governance. He is Lord. I see the cross of Calvary. I see that timber. I see the cross. And I see that story. And I see that cross as a way for you to be resurrected in your life. Let's all stand. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.